0: and welcome to the latest edition of the Aon Pensions podcast, Retirement Market Update. I'm your host, Victoria Penormo, and during this heatwave, I have some hot pensions news for you, so I did. Then I'll be joined by Aon's Linda Whitney to discuss long-term funding targets. To the news. Yes, Prime Minister. We start this month's podcast with the news of Boris Johnson becoming Prime Minister, leader of the Conservative Party, and confirmation that Amber Rudd and Guy Opperman will remain as they were. Amber Rudd is continuing in her post as Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, and Guy Opperman remains Pensions and Financial Inclusion Minister. The ministerial role created in 1998 and first given to John Denman under Blair's government has seen 15 ministers in the role in the last 21 years. The record is held by Steve Webb of five years. Guy Opperman is in second place with two years. Hopefully some continuity in the role can help drive forward changes anticipated to feature in the next pensions bill, such as CDC and the pensions dashboard. Fiduciary Market and Investment Consulting Consultation by the CMA The Competition and Markets Authority has recently confirmed the reforms which will apply following its investigation into the investment consulting market. There are two requirements which impact directly on trustees, strategic objectives for consultants and competitive tenders for fiduciary appointments. Strategic objectives. By the 10th of December 2019, trustees must set strategic objectives for their investment consultants, including those already in place in order to be able to assess the quality of the advice they receive. The expectation is that these objectives will be reviewed at least every three years and after any significant change to the scheme's investment strategy, and that investment consultants will be asked by trustees to report Periodically on their performance in meeting the objectives. Worry not. Regulatory guidance is expected to assist trustees in complying with these requirements. Competitive tenders for fiduciary appointments. Trustees wishing to delegate investment decisions for more than 20% of their scheme assets to one or more fiduciary managers must run a competitive tender with at least three firms. This does not apply where the appointment is already subject to regulations from the 2015 governing public sector contracts. As a transitional measure, trustees who have already appointed one or more fiduciary managers covering more than 20% of assets without a competitive tender must put the services out to tender within five years of the original fiduciary management agreements or by the 10th of June 2021, if later. Speak to your investment consultants about what this all means and adding these to your business plan. Trusteeship consultation. Following our last podcast interview with Nick Brinton, TPR launched a consultation titled The Future of Trusteeship and Governance on the 2nd of July. TPR is asking for views on whether every scheme should have an accredited professional trustee and if sole trustees can run pension schemes appropriately. The industry is also being asked if there are barriers to consolidation and if they can be removed and if there should be a legal requirement for trustees to meet minimum standards of knowledge, understanding and ongoing learning. It comes as professional trustees await the launch of a voluntary accreditation regime. What do you think? Should it be mandatory to have a professional trustee on every board? Have your say. The consultation closes to responses on the 24th of September. TPR and Climate Change The government and TPR have established a joint working group to develop guidance for pension schemes on reporting in line with the recommendations of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Apparently we're calling them TCFD. The TCFD's recommendations include disclosure of how organisations react to climate change-related risks and opportunities in terms of governance, actual and potential impacts, method of identification, assessment and management, and metrics and targets. TPR will also see part of its budget earmarked for climate change financial issues, as the DWP will update its letter setting out the annual budget allocation. We have invited Tim Manuel, Aon's Head of Responsible Investment, to a feature podcast to get his thoughts, so watch this space. News from the risk settlement market. The Smiths Industries Pension Scheme has secured a £176 million buy-in with Canada Life, its second with the insurer. The buy-in is approximately 6% of the £3 billion scheme liabilities and it's Canada Life's first announced deal of 2019. Aon has now secured eight bulk annuities, totaling around £1.6 billion across the sponsor's 2DB schemes. This process, one of the market's longest established programmes of phase de-risking, has removed risks for the majority of the pensioner liabilities. This transaction followed a period of careful market monitoring, where we waited for the right opportunities to emerge. All parties involved have considerable market experience, and this encouraged a swift conclusion once pricing was acceptable. Aon predict that the risk settlement market will continue to have momentum this year and beyond. PASA launches DB transferred guidance. On the 8th of July, PASA launched guidance on DB transfers to help give members better flexibility while retaining their pension benefits. The first of two parts, the Guide to Good Practice, has three key aims. To improve overall member experience, to improve efficiency for administrators and to improve communications and transparency. Speaking at the launch event in July, Pension and Financial Inclusion Minister Guy Opperman said he expected DB to DC transfers should take no longer than 10 weeks. The guidance lays out step-by-step methods and timeframes for administrators and actuaries, including for referrals and settlement processes. Opperman also confirmed he does not want to legislate for this and urged the industry to please work together to avoid this. The second part of the guidance is expected to launch at the end of 2019 or early 2020. While the guidance is not yet a code of practice, it is expected to become one in the future. If you'd like more information on any of these areas, I'll include contact details at the end. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast series through your smartphone, via iTunes and Spotify so you never miss an episode. Welcome to the interview part of the podcast. As 2019 valuations are starting to get towards their results, schemes are putting into practice the annual funding statement from the regulator earlier this year. I've invited Linda Whitney, a partner in our retirement practice, to discuss long-term funding targets. Welcome, Linda. Hello. Let's get straight to it. So, TPR is clear. It wants all schemes to have a long-term funding target
1: beyond technical provisions. What does this mean? Well there's a number of key components to this thinking about the destination the time frame contributions return and security so just briefly taking each of those in turn so the destination where are you trying to get to is that trying to buy out your scheme or is that trying to get to a low dependency target or a self sufficiency type target on the time frame Should you be focusing on your scheme's maturity for how long you take to get there? Or actually, is the covenant the driving force? On contributions, you've got a recovery plan to get you to 100% on technical provisions. But actually, will the contributions continue after that? Will the sponsor be willing to put more money in? And that's down to details as small as who's going to pay the expenses at that point. Return. Well, how much are you seeking? And can the covenant support this if it goes wrong? Once you've decided that, what's the shape of that return? Is it more now and less later? De-risking along the way? And finally, security. Is there other support if things go wrong?
0: Okay, so it, it seems like we've spent many years worrying about deficits in DB schemes, ever since I've been in the industry, at least. So... Once they're fully funded,
1: can trustees stop worrying? Well, I think there's a couple of answers to that. The first one's the actuarial answer, which it depends, is the standard actuarial answer. It depends on what basis you're talking about. So, are you talking about fully funded on technical provisions, or are you talking about fully funded on the new long term funding target? I'd be much more relaxed with the latter. And perhaps the more practical answer what risks are you still taking at that point? And how are you managing those risks really determines how comfortable you'd feel at that point. If the long-term funding target is what we really want, why don't we just scrap TPs altogether? Well, we could scrap technical provisions, but think about what that would mean. Technical provisions are the driver of the contributions into the scheme and that balance of um, risk and return. So if you shifted immediately to having your long-term target, actually you'd suddenly be saying we've got a big deficit again and potentially no deficit contributions because you were fully funded on your old technical provisions. Now that feels a pretty uncomfortable message to give to, to members or to the pensions regulator. Alternatively, you hang on to your old technical provisions and leave them set in aspic. Then you start showing an ever-increasing surplus Once you've reached 100%. Well, that's got big drawbacks too pressure to spend that surplus, but actually, you need it to get to your long term target. So, at our pension conference back in the spring, we asked our 800 attendees what they thought they'd do in practice. And actually, the vast majority of them said that they would be looking at gradually increasing those technical provisions whilst heading towards their long term target. It's not necessarily the most transparent answer, but I can completely see why people end up there
0: will companies really pay contributions beyond 100% TPs?
1: Well, there's certainly quite a bit of tension in that between contributions to the pension scheme and other uses of company capital. It becomes a lot tougher when you've reached fully funded on technical provisions to justify why you should be putting that money into the scheme. I mean, schemes could usefully get that money and, that would help them. It would enable that de-risking. It would decrease the period to get to their long-term funding target. But companies are understandably reluctant to pay those contributions. Um, you know, even if it means the scheme ending up with more risk, the pensions regulators are looking for fairness between stakeholders. So you'll see quite a focus on contributions compared to dividends, or actually also contributions compared to other debt repayment. We've seen that TPR has an increasing interest in maturity. Why is that? Well, let's say 70% of your members are pensioners, then you'll be paying out nearly half of the scheme assets in the next 10 years. So you really need to be at your long-term funding target as soon as possible. Otherwise, if you get a shock and those assets fall, you can't afford to wait for those assets to recover before you need that money to pay out to your pensioners. So as you said, the TPR has got an increasing interest in maturity, and it's a key part of their examples in this year's annual funding statement. So when I've been working with clients, we've been looking at how um, their maturity level impacts on the time frame they want to put in their long-term funding target. Is that the key driver to how long they can afford to take, or is it more around the employer covenant? What's next in TPR's bag of tricks? Well we expect to see a consultation on a new funding code. Uh, That has to go through a more rigorous process than the annual funding statement to make changes because it has to be laid before Parliament. Um, Therefore it will take a little while before it's fully implemented. We've already seen some indication of the direction that's going in with the annual funding statement um, but we don't actually expect this new funding code to be fully applicable until later in 2020 or even 2021 valuations. Okay, so what should our listeners be taking away from this? Let's take those with a 2019
0: valuation, first of all.
1: So those who are in the midst of a 2019 valuation, if you haven't already done work on your long-term funding target, you probably need to incorporate that into your valuation. So to consider how your um, valuation and your recovery plan actually help you on that journey towards your long-term funding target. And those that haven't got 2019 valuations? There's no reason to wait until um, you're doing a valuation to talk about long-term funding targets. It's important to get ahead of the conversation. They have impacts right now on whether you can afford to de-risk. So having a realistic objective is really important whenever your valuation is. And actually in practice, separating it from the valuation can make it easier because it's just not too many moving parts in one go. So if you've not got a valuation in 2019, it's a really good opportunity between valuations to get some of this stuff sorted. Can you give us an idea
0: of what some of your clients are doing?
1: So when you're actually thinking about these um, items, you do need to think about them together. So I've been doing quite a bit of work um, with my clients with a modelling tool that we've got with Viewpoints Develop. And that allows you to vary a number of these different items together and really see the impact live in a meeting. And that's been really helpful for bringing along company and trustees to think about, okay, well, if I set the timescale here, and I've got this level of contributions, this is what it means for de-risking. So you can kind of take each of the items in a formula and solve for the last one. And that's what I've been doing with a lot of my clients. I think that's all that left for
0: me to do is to thank you for coming in. So thank you, Linda. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the latest edition of the Aeon Pensions podcast, Retirement Market Update, with me, Victoria Panormo, and my guest, Linda Whitney. If you'd like more information on our retirement solutions, or you want to feature in a future podcast, you can contact me on victoria.panormo at aon.com. Otherwise, please visit our website or email talktous at aon.com.